The leader of the parliamentary opposition group in Solomon Islands is criticising the increased focus on security assistance being provided to the country by Australia and China. Earlier this month, the Australian government donated 60 MK-18 rifles and a fleet of vehicles to the Royal Solomon Islands Police Force. Just a few days later, China made its own police donation to armoured trucks with mounted water cannons and a fleet of other police vehicles and motorbikes. Matthew Wale says in a country where the main national referral hospital is often lacking even the most basic medicine, it does not make sense to allocate so much overseas aid to security. You know, I I was at a funeral of a relative uh, last week who died because of lack of Panadol solution to bring his temperature down. Um, so this is the situation at the National Referral Hospital. Basic medicines are lacking, uh, and yet we're investing in guns and water cannon trucks and, and the likes. Uh, so, you know, the sense of... Uh, perspective on these issues is, I think, my initial sort of observation. Secondly, um, you know, social order and cohesion have always been uh, challenges here in the Solomons, and successive governments, and especially, I think, this prime minister, have really done a little about addressing the root causes um, of conflict and tensions and so forth. And I think one has to say that some serious investments in addressing these issues uh, would go a long way towards uh, mitigating what is uh, you know, perceived as internal threat. Um, so I am quite concerned that it, it appears the government is very, very intent on arming itself against its own citizens. That's the way it looks. Um, and uh, in terms of Australia and China, this really is terrible optics that they're competing or trying to outcompete each other um, in arming uh, the Royal Solomon Islands police. The, we, ha- we have a history is, is the thing that sort of stands out for me, don't we, when it comes to the police force, these kind of weapons and what happens when things fall apart. Uh, that certainly, I think, is a fear um, that's in the public mind. You know, there is the history of the raid on the Rove Armory that was part of the tensions and it was part of the coup back in 2000. Of course, we hope that that does not happen again. Uh, we hope that there is robust spine in the police um, to ensure that that will not happen. Um, However, I think there is a a clear fear in the public mind. And this, I think, is a matter the government and the police could have better handled. That fear could have been mitigated by a a more proactive engagement with the community to make it clear that uh, the government had decided this is what they were going to do. The the other issue with the Australian armaments, you know, semi-automatic weapons, is what the justification is for the number of guns, semi-automatic guns, um, and the level of lethality of those guns. Um, You know, the question has been asked whether, you know, these are weapons to be used on and against Solomon Islanders. 
or, or was there some other security calculation? What, what are these weapons for? Questions about the maintenance, the upkeep, and the even the fueling and running of these assets. Um, uh, have those been answered in recent um, days since the handover? No, I mean, I, the budget is just about to be uh, submitted to Parliament. So when the Ministry of Police comes up to answer for their budget allocations, uh, we will be able to see uh, whether there is uh, adequate provision to maintain and fuel uh, the new vehicles. In terms of police mobility, it always has been an issue. Uh, police haven't been as mobile as they ought to be. You know, you call up a police station and either the vehicle is down or has got no fuel and, and so forth. So now with increased uh, number of vehicles, that should go some way towards making the police more mobile and more responsive to incidents. Um, and of course, uh, you would expect that uh, there'll be more allocations. Um, so we, we will be watching that in the budget process. Going back to the, the geopolitics and the... The interest, I guess, from from a lot of international donor partners, and I, my question is, is the is the interest and the and the the leverage that the government has, seems to have been able to to achieve being used in, in a way that you approve of in terms of the resources being directed towards Solomon Islands? Uh, well, I, I think the biggest thing for Solomon Islands uh, is jobs. We want to see an economy that is sustainably uh, creating reasonable quality jobs that pay a, a reasonable living wage. Um, you know, it's great that we're sending our young folks to New Zealand uh, and Australia, but uh, we do need to create jobs for them right here in Solomon Island. So, you know, if partners, donor partners could help us and be strategic uh, in investing um, in various sectors that would create those kind, kinds of jobs. That, to me, in terms of our own national interest, that would be best. Um, and I would add to that in terms of health and education. Our health sector is uh, nothing to write home about. Seven out of ten deaths are NCD-related in, in Solomon Islands. Uh, so Serious investment in our healthcare system uh, is also required, and and the third, of course, is education. Now, in terms of education, uh, I think it's a clear win that you know donor partners could uh, could invest in in terms of both uh, educational infrastructure, uh, but also in terms of uh, teacher training and perhaps even you know volunteers. The U.S. have always had or you know, years ago had Peace Corps who were teaching sciences and mathematics and English and so forth in our schools. You know, those kinds of people-to-people -people, um, engagement uh, are going to be good, not just for our education system, but also in